You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we're going to talk about the remote workforce. It's something that leaders at all levels of business are struggling with and continue to explore and try to perfect in varying degrees and varying ways. My guest is a gentleman named Chris Dyer. He's done a lot of work in this space, and I want to uh, dive right in. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. Yeah, as I uh, kind of alluded, I know in my own executive coaching practice, the challenge of having a remote workforce is a hot topic that business leaders really of companies of all sizes are struggling to decide. And clearly there are situations where your work is boots on the ground. You, you can't avoid, I mean, factories, production areas, uh, heavy, heavy construction and such there, you're not remote, you're, you're outside maybe, or, you know, in that, but largely though, the functions and services that are office oriented have all been impacted by the pandemic and the move to remote. So let me, uh, let me stop talking and get you, Chris, to frame up what your kind of focus area is and how it is that you're helping leaders wrestle with this. So I think I'd like to rephrase or reframe a little bit here, kind of what you said. I, I don't think that remote work is a challenge, and I don't think that it's something hard or think that people are struggling with it. I think what it is is just something new. So, I mean, if we were all in one place, if if back in the day I was a blacksmith and I had one shop and we were making horseshoes and whatever else we were doing, and then I decided to have a second shop down in the next town over, I would have to figure out how I'm going to split my time between those shops and manage those employees. And that would be a new thing, right? That doesn't mean those employees are suddenly more challenging or that they come with new or different issues, it's that I as a leader now have to kind of think about how I'm going to manage differently because I've decided to expand and change how work is done uh, in my company. And we've been through this, right? There's been changes from factories to office buildings, and and now we're in, in this much larger landscape of allowing far more flexibility. And so if a leader can be adaptable, if they can be open-minded, if they can be willing to learn a new way of doing things, I think what they get back are better employees, people who stick around longer. Uh, they might get better talent in areas for, for less money, right? They can get better people for the, the crappy budgets they may have been handed from, from up top. I mean, I think there's so many advantages, um, and but we ha- we can't take our old lessons. And I've said this a few times on a few shows. I mean, if all you knew was how to ride a horse, that's how you got around. And suddenly a car was invented. You wouldn't go take a saddle and a pair of reins and plop it on the car and try to drive it around, right? You wouldn't take the old tools from one thing and try to apply them to something brand new. And that's what's happened. 
for a lot of the people struggling, they're taking all their old management tools, all their old processes and saying, fit into this box and remote and flexible are going, that, that doesn't work. It, it, it can't work that way, right? And we have to think about new ways of doing things. I like that frame. I, I like the way you articulated that and, and you are spot on and that is exactly the rub and, and the work I get to do with people is that those that still complain about not wanting workers away from the office, it is usually because they are comfortable with their old style of managing that group. Mm -hmm. And they are finding challenge in being able to do it otherwise, and they don't like it. They it, it It's that leader that is not changing with the time that's kind of kicking against the, you know, the rails, as you will. And that's where the, the rub really comes in. So... Yeah. Um, I, I am definitely an advocate of, you know, old style management has to be adjusted to accommodate the hybrid. But there are so many issues that bubble up, uh, both on the employer side and on the employee side. So it's a, it's a very cluttered landscape, I, I believe, still to this day. Let, and let me make just a couple of quick level set statements and uh, it's it's been spoken about on this show before I have had people in the recruiting and placement space who have come on this show and they've told uh, stories of clients who are wanting to demand full-time return to the office and the recruiter is saying non-starter I'm not going to take your engagement because I can't find you people that will agree to that, period. I know that already. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to take your money and make you think I can because I can't. Especially not good top talent, right? I right. Mean, <laughs> right, 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 right. And but but the other thing I believe that's emerging is an interesting twist, and I'm maybe running fast forward too quickly here. But we're starting to hear stories and hear uh, studies of workers who are lamenting the disconnect. You know, they're they're admitting they believe they're missing something, not being in the office with the team, and whether it's influence from above and and rubbing elbows with the senior leaders in the company and getting that experience or whether it's just simple a personal level of i need to connect with my people i'm i'm struggling with this isolation so we're hearing some bottom up friction and we're still hearing some top down so what do you see in your space so really that gets back to well, what i was just saying about having new ways of doing things and uh, so we used to uh, connect with our people based on proximity as our first connector. I mean, if you ever had a, a work friend and you were friends with them for years and years and years, and one of you changes jobs, and then you go, no, we're not really friends anymore. We don't really talk anymore. We don't really do anything. And you, you kind of feel sad about that. And I always remind people, it's not that, that person doesn't like you anymore. It's that you're not in the same space with them every day, right? There's, there's not that accidental, easy 
way of, of bumping into them and having conversations and and learning, you know, overhearing something about their kids and being able to talk to them. It's just it, it's harder, right? This is why you lose contact with your friends from high school and everything else. Proximity right. is is huge. So how do you recreate proximity? How do you recreate something else that will help you and your team be better? So there's a few things. First, if you can do it, if your company allows it and you have the budget, I do think it's important to try to get together once or twice a year. We used to do a once a year around the, in December. It was our big you know, holiday party, mandatory. Everyone's got to be there. We fly you in. We put you in a hotel. We do some meetings. We have a party. And for most people, that la- that lasted them all year. They that enough being together, that energy of sitting by the table and, and working together, that would carry them all year round. Um, for some of our other groups, like in sales and the senior team and different groups, we would get together a few more times during the year as well because maybe the stress and the over you know kind of complexities of things we were working on needed a little bit of time together. So it, this is not about choosing one or the other. It's just that our in our daily routine, we're allowing people that flexibility to work from home and not have to come into an office. But that doesn't mean we don't get together. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to be far more intentional about how we come together and really share where we are. How do we connect on an emotional level? And I will tell you this, for some people, this can be a challenge because they may be five time zones different right? You're five or six time zones on a team. You're a bit bit more in async, right? You're a bit more in collaboration that's happening over a cycle of a day and in Slack or on Google Sheets or whatever you're using. And you're going to have to find moments where you guys, where you can get your team together for a little bit of a, you know, to talk or, or to share or whatever. Where some other teams are maybe only one or two or three time zones, and they can get together on a more frequent basis on Zoom or whatever and have those interactions. But regardless, the most effective way, well, I would say there's there's two really important ways that people need to think about meeting to, to really help this issue that you've brought up. The first is meetings have to be different, meaning they should be different times with different focuses with different attributes. So I'll give you the most famous one that we created that it, a lot of companies use now. It's called a cockroach meeting. So everyone in the company was allowed to call a cockroach meeting. They could invite five to seven people, any five to seven people in the entire company they want. No hierarchies. No, you have to go through this person's boss. You can invite anybody you want. If they, you think they can help you, you're allowed to invite them. The meeting can only be 15 minutes. It can only be about one topic. And the only person that has to show up is the person calling the meeting. For everybody else, it's totally optional. So if you don't have time, you can't do it, you're out that day, no problem, right? No pressure to attend. And it's like, you know, we use the example, if you had a cockroach in your bathroom, it's a very small problem. You want a little help, get it out, no big deal. In remote work, we find that people lose out that ability to bump into each other. And hey, how do I do that thing? Hey, do you know where I get this thing? Who do I ask to get access into whatever? And we call the cockroach meeting and it saves people hours and hours on the phone, talking one-on-one to people, 
you know, researching it themselves, but it empowers them. And that also creates a lot of really cool bumping into each other throughout the company because they can invite anybody, right? They're not just inviting the people they see every single day. So meetings have to be different. If your meetings are always 30 minutes or your meetings are always one hour long on your team, you're doing it wrong because not every meeting is the same. And that when you create that consistent, we always have an hour meeting all the time, people, you lose enthusiasm, you lose effectiveness, um, agendas go out the window, everyone just starts bringing their buckets of crap for you, everyone to solve it during to shove it all into this one hour meeting and that's not productive. Um, right. I, I know I've said a lot. I have one more thing to say, but I, I think I've been talking forever. I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to pop in here, Doug. <laughs> well, you're, you're right. I, I think the, the thinking about meetings has to change. And, and I love your analogy. It, it's like bosses are still using the old uh, uh, saddle on their horse to, to run their meeting. And then they wonder why people are disengaged. And, you know, you hear stories like my people show up, but they won't turn on their cameras. I'm going like, really? Well, <laughs> why don't you ask why? them to turn them on? You know, you're the right. boss, right? Uh, why don't you ask them what uh, set the bars set the expectation and, and explain to them, you know, it's a, uh, it's for the benefit of the team to see see everybody and, and engage. Now, uh, I've had a lot of leaders ask me about this, about the video. And I will give, me give you a couple little tips to help if anyone's really struggling with this. The first is to remind people that when we see each other smile, it releases the same amount of endorphins as if you won $25,000 in the lottery. Mm. That's incredible right? To see someone smile matters. So we, I, you have to teach your people that, that it's important that we see each other's faces and we smile. However, I am not a big fan of having to have the camera on for the entire meeting, especially if it's an hour or two hours long. I think it's important that we turn it on in the beginning. We see each other, we connect. And then if there's a bunch of stuff to do and someone's going to go through some report or talk about a client onboarding, yeah, shut them off then. Right. And then we, so we saw each other. It was cool. Then we can shut it off. So you don't feel like you're under this constant, you know, microscope or spotlight the whole meeting. And then we turn them back on at the end. Right. Um, and I think people are far more willing to, to go along with that. The, the second thing is we used to have what we called the no mascara day. And we told people if you're just having a bad day, if things just aren't going right, you don't look your best. You couldn't get up and shave. You didn't do your makeup. You didn't do whatever you needed to do. You just, you know, your kid's sick. Your dog was up puking all night. Like whatever's going on and you just don't want to have your camera on today. You can just say, hey, everyone, I'm having a no mascara day. I just, I, I can't do it today. And everyone goes, cool, we get it. No problem. As long as no one's not abusing that and doing it every single day. Yeah. Right. Because people have those days. You may not realize it, but someone's got their their kids laying next to them sick, or even a sick spouse. They may have to lay in bed all day and do their work because their spouse has the flu, and like turning their camera on is not really going to work. So we gave people permission every once in a while to do that. And as soon as we put those parameters in, we I never had a problem with people having video on, not one time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, that's in the realm of making some accommodations, being 
commonsensical and reasonable about it. The, the other dynamic that I, I, I've scratched my head and I'm, I continue to be surprised when it comes up in a coaching session with a leader, it, they'll say things like, I don't know what my people need from me. And I'll go, mm. what do you mean? And they'll go, well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm talking to them enough or if I'm talking too much or, you know, I, because they're remote, we, we just don't have that level of understanding. And I'm generally prone to say, well, shame on you. Who, whose fault is that? You know, <laughs> why don't you right. ask? Why don't you have that discussion? And, you know, in your one-on-one, -on -one, ask somebody, what is your level of expectation about our connection? If we have a weekly one-on-one -on -one or a, a twice a month one-on-one, -on -one, is that enough for you? Or do you need more input from me? Do you need more guidance along the way? Do you need, what do you need? Let's talk about that. And okay. I've, I've encouraged them to try to set the levels person by person on your team and, and okay. allow that to happen because Classically, during the pandemic, you can talk about it in real simple terms. The introverts generally loved it because they could go off and they could focus on their work. They weren't interrupted by the class clown that was always putting on a circus. Um, <laughs> but the extroverts that were the class clown yeah, needed an that's audience. That's me, class clown. <laughs> they were dying. They were dying because there was yeah. no audience to entertain. They, they were, yeah. that connection <laughs> was missing. And I had several good friends who, who were that A-plus personality type. And they were on the verge of, you know, some kind of mental breakdown over the isolation that the pandemic caused, yeah. especially in the early going. So you, you said a lot of things here, and I want to kind of give you some things that we learn and we adjusted to. And some of this might be very controversial for some of the people listening. We found over time that one-on-ones were ineffective and really not the best way to connect and to have real uh, coachable dialogue. And so what I what I mean by that is we've really shifted from individual therapy to group therapy with okay. our with our teams and our people. Now that doesn't mean you wouldn't have a one-on-one -on -one if there's an HR issue, a coaching issue, if someone's on a PIP. I mean, if someone's in trouble, struggling, of course. I just mean on a regular basis, everything's hunky dory. Having a bunch of one-on-ones, I think, is a terrible waste of time. Usually the leaders cancel them half the time. They're trying to figure out what to do. You end up repeating yourself 50 times to each of your one-on-one. -on -one. It just, it feels so ineffective and, and crappy. And I think there's a much better way of doing this. Um, so one of the things that we're losing, and the reason why I think some of the leaders are struggling with the way you framed it, is we can see if we're in an office, somebody comes in late and they have to leave early. And you notice their eyes are puffy or they keep leaving during the day to go outside and have a, a excitable phone call. You can tell something's going on in their life, that they're struggling, right? If you, you, if you notice that they're suddenly avoiding certain people in the office, you can tell there's conflict, right? All these things we just naturally pick up as leaders or just as employees, fellow employees, that's gone. That's gone in remote work. We have no idea. 
And suddenly the leader feels like they're out on an island and then I don't know if my people are starting. I don't know if they need my help because I used to be able to just see Susie was has clearly been crying. And I could pull them in my office and try to coach them and help them and, and be there for them. And now I don't know how to do that because everyone, the moment that Zoom turns on, they could turn on that fake smile and pretend like everything's fine or not even turn on their camera and hide it from me. So the the way we deal with this is we always did once a day for every team, uh, you know, you wouldn't do this for with more than maybe, I mean, seven is like the max, kind of the ideal for me. If you have a team of 10, you can still do it. I think if you're at 15 or 20, you got to break this up into two groups if you manage that many people at one time. But we would do this exercise called bonding. And in bonding, you pop on the call and we no more than once a day. If you don't, if you do it three times a week or twice a week, that's better than nothing, right? But if like my customer service team had to do this every day to feel like human beings. They said this was the thing that got them connected and ready for the day. And you pop on and you go around the room and you answer the question, how are you showing up? It's very specific, the words. How are you showing up? Not how are you doing? Not how's it going? How are you showing up? And they tend to answer this question as a human being as the full person, not just the employee, but the full person. In the meeting one, you're not going to get the deep answers you get on on when you're 56 time you do this, right? As you get better and better and better and deeper and deeper and deeper, you start getting, I'm really struggling at home right now, right? I'm an extrovert. I don't get this much time. I feel like I'm not connecting with people or my spouse has been sick or my mom is really ill. Just found out my dad has cancer. We just had to put my dog down. You start, people start sharing these things and you go, wow, okay, I get it. They've been really short with me the last few days. They've been late on deadlines the last few days. It's not that they're an idiot. It's not that they're a jerk. They got something going on in their life and I can be there for them now that I know this, right? You have your regular meeting, whatever that is. And at the end of the meeting, you save a couple of minutes and you go around the room and say, how are you leaving? Now, this tends to be a lot more about the meeting and about the employee and the persona. And they will say things like, this is a great meeting. I'm really glad we figured this out. Or I do not think the client's going to go for this. I'm really worried. I think we need to meet again. And as the leader in these meetings, I'll tell you, I was shocked about half the time when they would tell me these things. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just had what I thought was the greatest meeting of all time. And you're all telling me you don't like the solution and you're not happy and you're leaving uneasy. I didn't even see it. I, I was so tone deaf to what they were really thinking and feeling. But if I hadn't asked that question, I would have never known. Because I took all of their nods as yes, as yeah. you know, we're all good. They got, we're all good. And that really wasn't what they were really thinking. They were just nodding like, I hear you, not really nodding. Yes, I agree with you. Right. Um, and so the big trick here, there's two things. One is, as the leader, you have to go last. Don't say, how are you showing up? I'll go first because I'm the leader. I will set the example. Absolutely not. Because if you say, I'm terrific, I'm having the best day ever, your people are going to keep their mouth shut. They're not going to tell you how they're struggling. 
right? Or if you're struggling, they're not going to tell you that they had a great day <laughs> or that they, you know, hit some goal or did something great. So they need to go first. And if they're struggling, so this is the answer, I think, to the question we probably hit a few minutes ago. This is how you know. If they say they're struggling, they have too much work, their thing is going on at home, that's when you stop the meeting and you say, let's talk about it. How do we help each other? How do we, how do we, if you're really behind with work, can anyone pitch in? Can anyone take calls today for this person so they can get caught up on their reports or whatever it is we need to do? How do we together as a group, group therapy, how do we work on this together and solve this problem? Or if that person has such an acute issue, hey, you don't need to be in this meeting. We'll send you the notes. Like, go, go be with your family. Go, go work on that thing. Like, you're excused. Like, give them grace, right, to, and freedom to, to, to go. And, and they will feel like, oh, wow, my boss really heard me. My team really heard me. Wow, that, that, that's really important. It really connects well. And that's, as a leader, how you know. And you will, as you do those every day or a few times a week, you'll know exactly where your team is. Right? Do I need to do more? Are they cool? I can keep doing what we're doing. Are they so good? I can probably pull back on this a little bit. That's how you know as a remote leader where they're at. You know, that's really consistent, Chris, with uh, something I talk to leaders about is is the acceptance and acknowledgement of the fact that people operate day by day, climbing up and down Maslow's hierarchy of need, you know, as circumstances in their lives change, they go up and down the levels in that ladder. And you may have this, to your point, you may have this rock star performer on your team, and all of a sudden, they just seem really disconnected and distant and disengaged and you're scratching your head going what's wrong well if you if you have that opportunity to connect and find out what's going on you realize you know hey my spouse is sick my mom or dad is sick and i'm really distracted or you know junior had a problem at school and i don't know what to do mm -hmm. about it and you know whatever the case may be but it's the fact that we are all human beings and, and we right. live for, oftentimes we're essentially living for survival, not for that top of the Maslow's pyramid of self-actualization every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we just right. don't, we don't always get there. And more often than not, we're dipping down into that trouble zone and we need some uh, kind of the mental break or the the disconnect to allow ourselves to to handle it properly and be comfortable with the decisions and if the employer can support that in a more compassionate way empathetic way without constantly judging and right as i'm saying this i know there's going to be people in the audience listening going man you guys are smoking dope you have no idea what it is to run my company <laughs> You know, I, I got to crack the whip every day or else, you know, we're not going to get anything done. And I don't care about all that stuff. Boo hoo hoo. You know, you got problems, mm -hmm. you know, put on your big person panties and join me, you know, and let's get on with this. Yep. And, and my argument to that is, I'm sorry, dude, you're living in the Stone Age. That's just not the way the world is going right now. Yep. And that's their world, and they can continue to live in it. But if you'd like it to be better, if you'd like to see change, if you'd like your 
your day to people to be a little bit more connected and a little bit more enthusiastic and a little bit more uh, ready to, to show up with real solutions to help you and, and you as a leader not to feel like you're out on an island. You got to take a little bit of time to deal with their, uh, you know, them as a human being, what's going on in their life and their world. I mean, this exercise that I just gave, you could do it once, even if you just did it once a week, it right. takes you five minutes, right? You could do it at a daily standup. And I mean, it makes a huge difference. Now, you got to go come along with other things like transparency. You got to be telling people what's going on and sharing important information. You can't leave them in the dark, right? That's important. You got to recognize people when they do great work and make a big deal out of people who are doing the things that you want, the behaviors that you want at work, the, the results that you want at work. You got to make a big deal about that stuff and not just say, well, I expect it. I expect you to do all of that, right? No, you got to make a big deal out of the things that you want to see over and over and over again. And you start to create a culture where that starts to happen on its own and you no longer have to, you know, crack the whip and drive and drive results and tell people to put on their big person panties and all that, you know, and, and le leave your emotions at the door because the pandemic ruined that. I mean, for anybody who thought that could continue, that we leave politics outside, we leave our emotions outside, we leave our well-being outside, that all has to happen outside of work hours. The pandemic crushed that. Those walls are down and they're never going back up. Right. 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 And and so this is the new challenge for leaders is that they got to be more of a coach, more of a therapist, uh, and more of a human being with their people. Right, right. Well, we've had several guests on this show that have talked about the whole idea of uh, one of the popular terms is becoming a human-centric leader. You know, mm -hmm. be be more human yourself and more sensitive to the human need around you and, and working on that. And that's not to say you're not going to accomplish great things, set lofty goals and, and drive your team for achievement, but you you need to be ready and willing to do that with a with a whole different leadership toolkit than you maybe once had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, we, we don't hear as much today as we did temporarily about the great resignation with people voting with their feet and just walking off of jobs that were trying to go back immediately to that dark age of management. And I, I think that a lot of that has stabilized and you can get off and argue about changes in the economy and the mindset of availability of jobs and all that. But... I think it is starting to level out in some degrees. The pendulum is swinging back the other direction. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it will ever go back to what it was prior to the pandemic. And, and actually, I'll go so far as to say I hope it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, I used to run my company uh, like I did a, when I used to coach my sports teams. It was like, you know, do as I say because I say so. And here are your objectives. Go get them done. You know, I don't want to hear any excuses. I mean, I used to run things that way because it worked well when I was coaching children. You know, you tell them to go do this thing or, or go run a few laps, and that was pretty effective. And what I found was that people acted like petulant children, you know, children or teenagers when you treat them that way, right? And they're passive aggressive and they don't do their best work. 
And I was always struggling to, I think, for us to ever really reach our larger goals and to really be happy with the company. And it wasn't until we had a recession in 2008, 2009 that I had time to sit and think, how am I, how is this my fault? How am I screwing this up? Like, here I am. I've always been successful at everything I've done. Why, why have we not done better? And why are my employees not acting the way in which I think they should be acting? And the answer was me. It was me. Every decision ended up going through my desk, through my head. Everyone double-checked everything with me. I did not empower them. I did not give them confidence to make decisions. I didn't back them up even when they made the wrong decision and retrain. You know, I did everything to reinforce that I didn't trust them, that they couldn't make decisions on their own, right? And and I, I looked at, when, when were some of the best times when we were the most successful? <laughs> this is This is a really hard truth for a leader to find out. Do you know when some of those times were? When I was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When they were on their own, had to make their own decisions, they made great decisions. They knew exactly what to do. They needed to be empowered. And so I had to retrain myself, retrain my people. I mean, it took years for some people. They would come in and say, Hey, I have this thing. And I'd be like, Whatever it is, do you have a do you do you know what you want to do? Yes, I trust you. Go do it. I I I'm not giving you permission. I'm not, we're not even gonna go down that road. And I had to retrain people. Yeah. You know, this is something new. You've never done it before. You're, you've never seen it. Cool. Let's talk about it. But this is something you know what to do. Don't come ask me. You know what to do. You know, you're, you're, that's why I hired you. You're a smart person. You know what you're doing. And man, that just changed everything, right? Give people the autonomy to do their jobs, not to do anything they want, but inside this box or the circle that you create for them of here's your job and here's the things you're supposed to get done. Go figure out how to get it done. I right. believe in you. I trust in you. Right. Yeah, I, I'm reminded as you say that of a story that was told on one of my earlier shows last year. Uh, uh, a coach was on talking, and there was a story of a, a, a founder creator that had built up a good sized business and 20 or 25 employees. And one day, one of them came into his office and said, Hey, you know, we're kind of humming along here. What do you think about going down the street to the coffee bar and just having a break, you know, get everybody together, just have a little short team gathering down there. And he goes, that's a great idea. And he went out and yelled at everybody, hey, shut it down, shut it down. We're going to the coffee bar. Let's go. And so they went down there. After everybody got their beverages, this same spokesperson said, well, we've got another reason we'd like to be here. We have a list of grievances that we want to present to you. <laughs> and he goes, okay, well, what are they? And uh, they started going down and it started with, he was a micromanager and they all felt that they had learned enough and they understood the vision and they were ready to rock and roll and they didn't need him hovering over everybody. And, you know, and, and the list was like that all the way through. Fortunately, he had the emotional intelligence and the you know presence to take it all in, and basically say, "Oh my God, I am so sorry. Let me let me go work on this list." And he made those changes to embrace the spirit in which they came to him, and so. The good news in that story is he had done enough to create an environment where 
finally somebody was willing to stand up and call him out on it and knowing that he wasn't going to retaliate and crush them in the moment. And sure enough, he took it all in and and allowed them to run far more freely than they had ever run before. And the story as it goes is that the uh, over the next 12 months, the company basically doubled without any any particular effort on his part. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and, we, we we had never won an award. We had never done anything significant. And as soon as I made that change, it empowered people. And all I did was focus all my efforts on culture, not on our PL, not on our products and services, not on any. I let everybody else do their job. They focused on those things. And I worried about how do I help you? You know, how do I take my virtual machete and clear the way for you so you can get your job done? Right. And as soon as I did that, every year after that, best place to work. Five times we were the fastest growing company on the Inc. 5000 list. Like all these things just started happening when I got the heck out of everyone's way, right? And just focused my time on trying to help them. And if that's not, if that's not the reason, I know people who may be skeptical heard a lot of different reasons today. That, if anything, is the reason, right? If you want to grow more, you want to have more profit, you want to reach those goals, you want your business to grow, that that's the reason, right? Why should you care about what's happening in people's lives? Because it will have an impact on your bottom line. And that's, a, I think, a pretty shallow reason to do it. But it's a reason. I mean, we see it. It will impact your bottom line in a very, very uh, positive way. Right, right. For sure, for sure. Well, Chris, let's uh, let's lift the veil. What exactly is your business, and what it does your company do? Yeah, so I sold my company where at the end of 2021. That was where uh, it was People G2. We sold to a company called AccuSource. So I'm officially done with that. I'm no longer in the background check industry. I no longer have to worry about 4,500 people. Um, which is nice. Uh, I miss it, but it's also nice not to have to have that many people's well-being on your brain, you know. Um, And uh, so now I spend a lot of my time, I do keynotes on culture, uh, leadership, remote work. Uh, I do a lot of training and consulting for companies. And as a weird sort of thing, so many things in my career just happened by accident. Um, the first time I ever wrote a book, somebody just came knocking on my door and said, hey, you want to write a book? And I thought that they were a scam and they were going to ask me to pay, you know, to self-publish or something. Turned out it was a publisher. Like just, it was an accident, right? Um, I Turns out what I really like to do and what I'm really good at is marketing. And so as soon as I stopped working and I was done with the other stuff, everyone started asking me to help with marketing. So I do a lot of fractional CMO work as well in being able to help companies tell their stories to be able to really position, you know, their uh, their message and and their products and services in the right light. So, I kind of I'm, I'm this giant ADD Venn diagram of spe- <laughs> uh, speeches, uh, consulting, and then fractional CMO work. Fun, fun. Well, that's great. Well, classic entrepreneur story, and congratulations yeah. on that success and that work, and and thank you for sitting in here. Hey, if people do want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Well, the easiest thing is to go to chrisdyer.com. That's D-Y-E-R for my last name. You can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's Chris Dyer 7 or something like that. You can find me on TikTok. I do a lot there, on Instagram, 
wherever you hang out in the social media world, I'm probably there creating content. So on Twitter, I think it's Chris P. Dyer. Um, anyways, come and find me. I'm happy to interact. If people want to connect or have questions, I'm always happy to help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, as always, we'll have that information in the show notes. So hop down and you can click those links and we'll have that covered. But uh, one last time, Chris, thanks for sitting in. This was really helpful. Really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. And I really appreciate the work you're doing, spreading all the great positive work on leadership. Thank you, Doug. You're very welcome. Welcome. And with that, folks, we're going to wrap this up. I always like to remind people we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name. Hop over there. We got a lot of uh, other content and opportunity for you if you check us out there. And above all, I always want to remind people to please drop me a line if you've got an idea or a question about a potential show or a recommendation on a guest. Let me know. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to be a guest on the show. Just uh, drop me a line on any of my social channels and let me know. We can have that talk and see what uh, what might be good there. For now, again, we're going to wrap it up. Say goodbye. Go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.